SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. After on Sports Grid, thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we're going to have two great guests. We've got Dr. David Chow of ProFootballDoc.com coming up next. He's going to break down all the injuries from the weekend in the NFL. We'll also be joined by FanDuel's Tom Vecchio. He's already given us a home run prop that I'm so excited for us to go and put some action on. How the market's moving in Major League Baseball as well is really important to finding out who is up there in those World Series markets. But first... We do have to get to the news of the day, which the Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz has just gotten onto the practice field. This coming after getting foot surgery just about three weeks ago for a broken bone in his left foot. Now, Wentz, they expected him to be at practice today, and I just saw a video, Ben. Wentz is out there on the field at training camp. Pretty remarkable, especially given the entire circumstance leading up to this, right? When the injury first happened, or at least was first reported, it was Carson Wentz is going to rest for a couple of days, and if it goes well, he doesn't need to have surgery. But then it's like rest versus surgery. That doesn't make any sense. So they decide to have the surgery. And then the timeline afterward, which Dr. David Chow let us know about, that seemed weird as well, 5 to 12 weeks was a really large span. Maybe they were just trying to throw people off the scent. Whatever it was, a weird situation that now actually seems to be turning to a very positive direction. As Chris Mortensen once very well coined, good vibes in Indianapolis. So now Carson Wentz back on the practice field, seeming like he is rearing to get back and get ready to go for week number one of the regular season. If not week one, possibly week two, but it seems now pretty early on for the Colts to have him back. And that is huge, Ariel, when you look at the Indianapolis Colts in the futures market on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The reason that's so huge is because this line did flip from the Colts at minus two at home to now plus two and a half at home against the Seattle Seahawks. You just heard the director of training at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran, hour number one. He said Carson Wentz on the field week one could potentially even result in this line flipping. I could see this line getting close to a pick em. Now, the win total was impacted by the Wentz news because the win total on the Colts was nine and a half prior to Wentz hurting his foot. Then the line went down to eight and a half for the win total. Here's a look at the futures market for the Indianapolis Colts. There are eight and a half wins over juice time minus 145 under plus 125. Division odds plus 140. AFC 17 to 1. Super Bowl 30 to 1. Make the playoffs. It's even money minus 110 for yes or no. Then if in fact Wentz does start week one, I could see the win total moving again. If not, just being more heavily juiced to that over also. Yeah, absolutely so. And the over having the juice has always been the most compelling thing to me about the Colts team win total. Because with a healthy Carson Wentz leading into preseason training camp, the Colts team win total was 9.5, the over minus 150. That was half a game above where the Titans had their team win total, which is still at 9, the over also heavily juiced at minus 150. Then when the Carson, news, or Carson Wentz news came out, the Colts team total dropped 
to eight and a half. And the over only had like minus 115, minus 120 of juice. Now with the good news around Carson Wentz, and I think even more so today, you've seen that over continue to take the juice at minus 145. So if you are a believer in the fact that Carson Wentz is now back and seems like he is going to be ready to go very early on in this NFL season, the Colts used to be the favorites to win the AFC South as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience the second hour of the morning after just getting underway. It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. Carson Wentz back on the practice field, a Monday recapping football and looking ahead to preseason week number three in the West of the regular season. And we're looking right now at the idea of the Colts, who used to be the favorites to win the AFC South division on the FanDuel Sportsbook, now have the second shortest odds, but with Carson back, Maybe there's value once again on the Indianapolis Colts. Plus 140 to win the AFC South. That's not bad. I don't know if I would look at them so much for the AFC in the Super Bowl because I still think the Colts have a certain cap. But the two areas I look, because I think the juice on the team when total at minus 145 is too high right now of the 8.5. Wait till it maybe bumps up to 9 and then attack it there with the over. But I would look at the divisional odds and to make the playoff odds which are even right now the yes and the no at minus 110. Because the Colts, even if they don't win the AFC South with the expanded NFL playoffs and there being three wild card spots, I would think the Colts with a healthy Carson Wentz, a healthy Quinton Nelson, knowing how good that defense is as well, certainly seem like they should line up for one of those AFC wild card spots. So that's where I would look right now. And you might be able to beat the market just slightly here in terms of a couple of cents by getting the Colts at even minus 110 right now. I find it interesting, too. You can go to the FanDuel Sportsbook, and I have to find which category it was under. It might have been season specials, but there is a way. Oh, by the way, they put the quarterbacks up again for the Broncos. This happens every time. Um, Anyway, you can bet for a team to make the wild card, which I don't recall seeing last year. You could bet for either of those teams. So right now, the Colts are at plus 320 to just make the wild card game, which, Ben, to me, Hmm. is a better bet than even making the playoffs at even money. Yeah, certainly so, because the only instance that would keep you from that, obviously missing the playoffs, but even if they won the AFC South, I don't know if that bet cashes. So, but I think when you look at the wild card spot, plus 320, that's really good value on the Colts right now. No, it's only to, you have to, it says here, to make the playoffs as one of the three AFC wild cards. That's how you have to win that bet. I'm all for that because you look at this Colts schedule, it's brutal. They've got Seattle, the Rams, and the Titans all within the first three weeks. Then they have to go to Baltimore week five. They have to go to San Francisco week seven. Then they play Tennessee again. The end of the schedule lightens up in the last three weeks, Arizona, Vegas, and Jacksonville. However, it's still going to be a tough stretch throwing Tampa Bay in that mix midway through the year, too. Coming up next, Dr. David Chow, ProFootballDoc.com. We'll talk injuries up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Over the weekend in the NFL preseason week two, there were some injuries. One that I really felt bad for. The quarterback, the backup quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, A.J. McCarron, is going to miss the rest of the season after tearing his ACL in his right knee. Ben, McCarron hasn't really had a shot to be a backup. He's been a third stringer, not really a backup. Now, coming out of Alabama, there was some hype surrounding him a few years ago, yet not as much ever since he made it to the NFL level. After hearing that McCarron's not going to get the shot to be the backup quarterback for the Falcons, though, I felt pretty terrible. I mean, it's a tough situation for Atlanta right now because the only other quarterback they have on their roster is Felipe Franks, the rookie out of Arkansas when, by way of Florida where he transferred from. So that is pretty difficult when you have that scenario at the moment. And now you don't have a lot of depth in that Atlanta Falcons quarterback room. And Matt Ryan, of course, is a little bit up there in his career. Not saying anything that that might mean for this exact season, but the Falcons did not invest in a quarterback in this draft, instead taking Kyle Pitts, number four overall. So now it's about finding that depth again to have the backups in place for Matt Ryan should anything go awry. This, I might think they might be looking to a free agency move to try to fill that depth in the quarterback room. At this point, the Falcons need to go get a veteran to back up Matt Ryan. Listen, Matt Ryan's been pretty durable throughout his career. As you mentioned, you still need a sufficient backup. Not high hopes for Atlanta, but if you really lose Matt Ryan for some fluky reason, then you really are, mm, it's not going to look too bright. But McCarron, I do feel really bad for. Dr. David Chow, ProFootballDoc.com. He knows more about the situation than we do. Team doctor for the San Diego Chargers for over a decade. Dr. Chow, thanks for coming on with us this morning. Uh, good morning. We did just talk about A.J. McCarron, but right after the injury, right when he went down non-contact, what is it about those non-contact injuries that lead to these ACL tears? Well, most of them are non-contact. Your foot sticks in the ground and your body twists unexpected move. And looking at the video, it may have happened before the play where he actually left and he stayed in the game because a pretty innocuous handoff and, he, and a misstep and his knee gave out on him. And yeah, 70 to 80% of the ACL tears in the NFL are non-contact. And almost 50% of the ACL tears happen before week one of the regular season, half during the season and half before the season. Dr. Chow, a quarterback that is back now, at least slightly back for the Dallas Cowboys, is Dak Prescott. He is back throwing at practice. He did not play in their Week 2 preseason game against the Houston Texans. What is your thought on how the Cowboys have brought Dak back to practice and where you think he might stand heading into the regular season? I mean, Ben, honestly, he stands where we thought he would stood from the beginning of the season. It wasn't a day-to-day -day thing. It was going to be multi-weeks. But he was going to be ready for Week 1, and he's going to be ready for Week 1. Uh, Adam Schefter dropped what some thought was a bombshell that uh, he's not fully there yet. And I think it was in reference to the ankle. But we've been saying all along, the ankle's doing fine, but it's not 100%. It's probably in the 90s. There's a little hitch in his gait. He's going to be the week one starter. I think he can be effective. And uh, with the extra rehab on his shoulder, I don't expect a lot of issues. Dr. Chow, it's amazing. This morning we saw the quarterback for the Colts, Carson Wentz, back on the practice field. The initial uh, indication of his return was 5 to 12 weeks. You laughed at it. How much do you believe Wentz is going to start week one to the Colts? I think what's happening here is the bone excision did not involve any repair, 
which does accelerate the timeline. Look, I if the Colts go by what they've been saying, is that Carson Wentz isn't starting week one unless he's 100%, and the owner said that, then he still is not going to start week one. If they say, look, Carson Wentz at 90% is way better than what we have in our other guys, then he may indeed start. Look, I think initially I said I thought he would return in October, whether it's late or early October, I didn't know. I think at this point, the timeline has moved up a little bit, but we're nowhere near uh, for sure starting week one. I just saw, so the Colts put out some video, and yeah, Carson moved very well. He's very athletic, but if you really look at that video, I can still tell you it looked like it was his left foot that he was favoring some, and he was just doing an open field drill where he was doing some light cutting. So projection-wise, if a quarterback returns to practice, let's look at Dak Prescott. He doesn't come back and play immediately, Carson Wentz is limited in practice today. Uh, The timeline moves up to where he probably could play in later September. But if they're going to stick to 100%, he's still not playing week one. So there still is some mystery out there. Dr. Chow, if and when Carson Wentz does come back, how effective do you think he can be on that left foot, whether it be week two of the season or week three? Well, I mean, uh, from the pocket, I think he can probably be pretty effective. If he's got to move and run a lot, uh, then that becomes a bigger question mark, right? So, uh, look, can he, at this point, looking at how he moved just this morning, could he play week one if it was the be-all, end-all of games and uh, the Colts had no quarterbacks? Yes, I think he could. But if they're going to say, look, we're going to wait till he's 100%, he still will not. Dr. David Chow, you catch him at ProFootballDoc.com talking NFL injuries. Now, a player that's coming off of an injury, a torn right ACL, Saquon Barkley. How how effective could you see the Giants running back being early in the season? You know, Saquon's great. And, you know, a 95% Saquon is better than a lot of the league. But there's no way physically he's going to be 100% for the start. Look, if he does start week one, which is an option for the Giants. I don't see how he's the bell cow guy. Uh, He's going to have a better second half of the season than first half. He's doing very well. It's just, uh, you know, the the biology. He's going to make it to the second half? Minimum 14 games? Be be nice, Ariel. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm just asking. I can't say injury prone. There's no question. There's no question that the Giants and Saquon need to be careful for compensation injuries. If you remember back to, let's say, Dalvin Cook when he came back from his ACL. Oh, look at how great he looks. Uh, Well, then he got hamstring and other issues, and that first year back was not so good. So that's what the Giants need to be careful of. Once again, could you play him earlier and do more? You could, but then you're risking those compensation injuries. Dr. Chow, we've seen some veteran quarterbacks this preseason, like Aaron Rodgers for Green Bay, Tom Brady for Tampa Bay, get these nights off in the preseason games. How beneficial is this rest throughout the grueling training camp for these veteran QBs? Well, you know, it's it's the rest, but it's not just the rest. It's just removing them from the risk of injury, especially when – you know, if you're not playing all of the starters or all of the, the uh, linemen, if a lineman has a little niggly something, you rest them, then you're exposing your quarterback. And like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady don't need it, right? And so they could just go week one, and they, they're in the same system. They're the ultimate veterans. And so I think that's why uh, teams are, are doing, uh, doing it that way. 
Dr. Chow, only about a minute left. The Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey only played three games last season. He suffered a high right ankle sprain. What is? How much do you expect to see Christian McCaffrey go back to 2019-2018 form? Well, they had that, and then he had a shoulder issue. They were waiting for him to be 100% to play him because they knew he wasn't going anywhere. So I just covered that this weekend, my top five running back issues. I think he's going to be fine. I don't have any worries about Christian McCaffrey. And if you go to profootballdoc.com, you can download the now growing to 75-page preseason injury preview uh, with a free download and, and look at all the players that you have questions on. I highly recommend going to that website and checking it out. It's all free. All you have to do is sign up, and you get all of the latest updates, not only for right now, throughout the course of the regular season, and it's super helpful for fantasy and for props. Dr. David Chow, ProFootballDoc.com, thanks for coming on with, get, with us again on this MRI Monday, Monday morning. Thank you. Coming up next, Ben and I are going to see how the futures market's moving. We're going to Major League Baseball. We're going to see the World Series market. There's some questionable line movements and some that haven't been moving at all, and I just don't understand why. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're here on the grid until noon Eastern time, so don't go anywhere. Lots of Major League Baseball and a lot more NFL to get to right here on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on sports grid it's sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein make sure to check us out on social media sports grid and sports grid tv we give you the edge not only during our shows but also when you go on to our twitter accounts so make sure to check us out at sports grid and sports grid tv yes that's two different sports grid accounts now it's time to see where the futures market's moving it's time for market movers disclosure the Tampa Bay Rays are not on this list because they haven't moved this is about who has moved the New York Yankees we spoke about earlier and the reason they're on this list over the Rays is because the Yankees back from July 5th all the or August 5th excuse me August 5th to now so just about two three weeks the Yankees go from let's see uh, 23 to 1 to 10 to 1 the Rays are 11 to 1 and have stayed 11 to 1 ever since about three weeks ago. The rest of the teams, the Dodgers moved from 3 to 1 to plus 280. The Astros plus 460 to plus 450. Chicago movement against them, 6 to 1, goes to plus 650. San Francisco has the odds move in their favor, 10 to 1 to plus 850. The Brewers, 12 to 1 to plus 950. Then the biggest move of them all, the Atlanta Braves, everybody. From back on August 5th at 33 to 1, they are now 16 to 1 to win the World Series on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Ben, the Braves. I mean, come on, give some love to Atlanta, baby. You have to. 
You have no choice but to give love to Atlanta. Winners of nine straight games, 12 of their last 13. They are getting incredibly hot at this moment, and they are doing all of this without Mike Soroka, who has not been there all year long. And since right before that All-Star break, possibly the best bat in their lineup, maybe one of the best bats in the National League in all of Major League Baseball, Ronald Acuna Jr. So the fact the Braves are doing this now, taking advantage of a bad National League East, but outside of that, just looking like one of the hottest teams in all of MLB is a true testament to what the Braves are doing. And you could look at that offensive lineup right now. Ozzie Albies has been fantastic. Austin Riley has been great. Of course, Frederick Freeman has been incredible as well. And some of the pickups they made at that trade deadline, Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, they have been contributing in a big way for this Atlanta offense. The hottest team in all of Major League Baseball. Nine straight wins. They take on a Yankees team today that has also won nine straight games. So both of these teams trending in the right direction. That's why you see their odds getting slashed by more than half in the last two and a half, three weeks from August 5th. The Yankees from 23 to 1 to 10 to 1. The Braves from 33 to 1 to 6 to 1. So you might look at this market and think maybe Ariel is this movement, although justified, is it sustainable? Do they actually present value to, to me right now? Or are they just riding a hot streak? But it will certainly get more tepid by the time we get to the beginning of the postseason. That might be the question when you look at a couple of these teams that have made such big movements in this futures market right now to win the World Series. It's funny because you look at the graphic and the way that our graphics producer Jesse edits these is that he tells you in the red of teams that lost value and in the green teams that gained value. On this list, everyone has lost value except the Chicago White Sox, the third best odds right now to win the World Series. That doesn't surprise me because the White Sox just lost two out of three to the Tampa Bay Rays. Ben, it's not going to surprise me if the director of training at Vandal, John Sheeran, says, hmm, you know, Ariel probably had a point. The Rays shouldn't have longer odds than the New York Yankees. They shouldn't mm. have longer odds than the Chicago White Sox, who they just took two out of three against. The book continues to undervalue the Tampa Bay Rays, who are sitting at 11-1 to 1 to win the World Series. The White Sox should have the line move against them to win the World Series after losing two out of three. It is rather interesting, too, when you look at the White Sox right now in the American League. The White Sox actually have the fourth best record behind the Yankees, behind the Astros, and behind the Rays in that order. Yet, they have the second shortest odds to win the AL pennant on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 280, only 70 cents behind the Houston Astros, who are the favorite at plus 210, and the third shortest odds to win the World Series do the White Sox have at plus 650. All of that doesn't really make sense when you also throw in the Tampa Bay Rays, who I'm sure we'll discuss here in just a moment, that just because they do not find themselves on this market mover segment, maybe that makes even more sense why we need to talk about the Rays in this scenario. But the White Sox, yes, they should have some of that movement work away from them. The White Sox are still a very talented team that is so much fun to watch and ecstatic at times. And when you look at that offense, it can be truly electric. And when you add guys back like Luis Rober and you add guys back like Eloy Jimenez and you add all of these pieces to a White Sox offense that has been so, so good all year long, that's why you have the ability to hover around where the White Sox have. But they have also taken advantage, and rightfully so, not to anything to take away from them, of a really bad American League Central this year. The AL Central division has been terrible. We thought it was going to be competitive in the preseason with the Indians and the Twins maybe contesting the White Sox for that top spot in the AL Central. It has not been the case. So the White Sox have taken advantage of a really bad division, but when you put them up against the best in the American League, 
that's when things get a little bit more dicey and that's where i think people start to call into question how chicago actually looks in terms of their world series prospects the team that I like to compare in the National League to the White Sox would be the Milwaukee Brewers. Ben, these are two very similar teams. First of all, they're both on the same side of being in their central divisions. But second of all, they're two very pitching-heavy teams. The Brewers, their starting rotation. The White Sox, their starting rotation. The question really becomes about the offense for both these teams. How well can these offenses produce? The White Sox on the road in the second half haven't been able to produce as many runs offensively as they have at home. When the same thing for the Brewers, you think about that starting rotation, whenever we speak to any guests on the show and ask who can challenge the Dodgers or who could challenge the Giants, it would be this Brewers team because of their starting rotation. Now, Ben, how high are you on this Brewers team to at least make it to the National League Championship game as their odds to win the World Series move up from 12-1 to 1 to plus 950? I think the thing around the Brewers that has been the thing you could question all year long has been that offense. 16th best in Major League Baseball throughout the duration of this season when you look through the metrics, but it has improved drastically here in the last month or so, especially since the All-Star break. The fourth best offense in Major League Baseball entering this past weekend over the span of the last two and a half weeks or so. So you're happy to see that Milwaukee offense start to get a lot better. But again... I think a lot of the stake on the Brewers is that pitching staff that has been tremendous this year. When you look at Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, who has been incredible. And then the back end of that bullpen with guys like Devin Williams and Josh Hader, especially Josh Hader, who can come in and shut down a game. I mean, if you're talking about three guys, if that three-man starting staff that you often have in a postseason, in a series, a DS or a CS, and you have Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, and they can go and give you six or seven innings, and then you get to that back half of the bullpen pretty much right away, that's pretty much close and shut the door type ability out of that Milwaukee Brewers staff in that pitching rotation if they are at their best. It doesn't even matter how their offense is. They could scratch across two, three runs a game and win if they're starting pitching and their back end of the bullpen is going to be that good. So, yeah, I think you could find some value in the Brewers and their prospects of looking at the World Series or the NL pennant but still, to me, when you lose the value on the San Francisco Giants, despite the fact they have kept it up, that's the thing. The Giants haven't had a slide. They haven't been moving backwards. They have continued to hold a lead over the Dodgers, who have won nine of the last ten games, and the Giants still have a two-and-a-half game lead in the National League West and still have the best record in all of Major League Baseball. So that's where I don't understand the odds movement against the Giants. It hasn't been like, oh, they're kind of petering out a little bit. They've only won five of their last 10 games. No, they've won seven of their last 10 games against good competition and continue to hold that lead over the Dodgers in the NL West. So that's where I don't understand the movement against the Giants that would maybe favor a team like the Brewers. But it's interesting because the Giants may have had the odds move against them in the division race, but the line's still moving in favor of them in the World Series race. Yet you still, it depends on how the bracket all falls out with the Dodgers or the Giants ending up in a wild card spot and how these two pan out. Because these two teams are going to be, whoever whoever wins the National League West is going to win the regular season for the National League, meaning they're the one seed. Now you have to figure out who's going to be the road team, and that what I, that's what I think is important between the Dodgers and the Giants. The Dodgers haven't played within the division that well. It hasn't been super dominant, whereas the Giants, on the other hand, have looked pretty good. The Giants, again, first to 80 wins this year. 
I'm having a hard time with the National League West, and I just it would take a, such a meltdown for the Giants to have to lose. I mean, they have to have the worst September. And I know that the Dodgers are still very close. I mean, an updated look at the odds for the National League West, the Dodgers are two and a half games back of the Giants. When it comes to playing within their division, uh, I can't find those odds right I can't find those records right now, but the Dodgers are two and a half games back. It's all about home field advantage, no, Ben? Like, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and you look at the Dodgers' schedule here to end out the month of August. It's going to be a little bit difficult. They get the Padres in a series starting this week. Obviously, San Diego has not been that great at late, but the Dodgers have struggled against the Padres this year in a lot of those games. They get the Rockies. They also have the Braves at home. Then they go on the road to San Francisco for the last series between these two foes for the rest of the regular season. That will be a very important series for the Dodgers if they want to continue to make up ground in the National League West. That is the first week of September where they head up to the Bay to play on the road at the Giants. That could decide, really, in large part, how the rest of the season shakes out for the National League West, which would then really shake out how the rest of that National League race looks. And again, when you see the Giants behind the Brewers and the odds to win the NL pennant and to win the World Series, that's where it's still a little bit confounding to me. The Dodgers, again, the minus money favorite to win the NL West, despite trailing the Giants in that division by two and a half games. Some of that doesn't maybe necessarily because, correlate and add up in my mind. Well, maybe because if the Brewers win their division, they're not in that wild card game. So you have to take into account that whoever is out of the National League West in the second place sure. spot has to play in a wild card game, which is winner take all. But coming up next, we do have Fandles, Tom Vecchio joining us. We'll talk Major League Baseball and NFL props. Stay here on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now from FanDuel, it's Tom Vecchio, and we are going to talk about Major League Baseball and the NFL. First, Major League Baseball, it's coming down to the wire. We're almost at September. How are you going to approach games differently in September as certain teams just don't really need to play anymore, Tom? That's a good question. You know, what, what, are you, what are we dealing with when it comes to incentives for these teams? They're out of the race. They've been out of the race for a while. Uh, and I think a lot of that can come down to the pitching matchups that we're going to be seeing uh, teams bringing up younger pitchers. They're obviously very inexperienced. Are they happen to be going against a team that still has plenty to play for? That's a spot that I would love to take the run line on some of these uh, teams still in the hunt, still fighting for wild card or you know, if they're a team like the Brewers are going up against the Pirates at some point, the Pirates are going to be bringing up young players, getting them some, some experience, and the Brewers are still fighting for, you know, playoff positioning. So I, I would sign with the, the run line on a lot of these teams. You might be able to find some good value on those run lines as opposed to a money line when you have such heavy favorites at like minus 250. One of those today, Tom, is the Astros and the Royals, but you're looking for some plus money in a home run prop. Who are you targeting in this game? 
So this game really sets up to just be a big offensive night for the Astros. And it, it reminds me of something I spoke about on here like a month ago, a specific example. I'll circle back to that in a minute. But Yuli Gurriel at plus 500 for the home run tonight uh, in this split versus lefties, massive 255 ISO, a little bit lower, 31.8% hard contact rate, a little bit lower than I normally like to see. But he has a big 46.5% fly ball rate going up against Daniel Lynch from the Royals, simply just not a good pitcher, 5.03 XFIP, 36 and 37.8 when it comes to fly ball and hard contact uh, rates this season. Now, it could be Gurriel tonight. It could be Carlos Correa tonight. It could be even Kyle Tucker tonight or Don Alvarez. Uh, it does not matter. This reminds me of the spot I was on, let's see, about a month and a half ago when the Red Sox were going up against Ross Stripling from the Blue Jays. And I said, listen, Ross Stripling is just a fly ball pitcher. He's just this gas can you can attack every single night. And it's kind of the same thing. So I like Gurriel tonight. I really do. Uh, but if you told me at the end of the night it was Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley hitting home runs, I'm not going to be surprised. So it's all about the Astros tonight. It's the run line for the Astros. It's home run props. It's all over the Astros tonight. I was also looking at the strikeout prop, Tom, that you were saying. Lance Lynn over five and a half strikeouts plus 100. This one scares me a little bit because Lance Lynn this, uh, for the, tonight's slate of games is going up against a Toronto team that really doesn't strike out a lot. They have the lowest strikeout rate in the last 30 days. However, Lynn is a more strikeout, uh, strikeout pitcher. How come you like the over five and a half strikeouts on Lynn tonight? So I think that this five and a half line is way too low. I think it should be at least six and a half or seven and a half. He's coming in with a you know, 27% strikeout rate this year. He's he's the best pitcher in action today. No doubt about it. Yes, Alec Manoa on the other side actually has a higher strikeout rate this season. Sitting up at 28.2%, but we know that Manoa has a uh, smaller sample size. Obviously, this is his first year in the majors. Five and a half is simply too low of a line for Lance Lynn, who's arguably the leader for the AL Cy Young right now. And I think this line is the, a reaction to the four strikeouts he posted in his most recent start, four innings against Oakland, but he got ejected from that game, and he still comes in with six strikeouts or more in seven of his last ten starts. So the five and a half with plus money for Lance Lynn just seems like the perfect combination, and he did put up, I think it was eight or nine strikeouts against Toronto earlier in the year. Yes, it's outside of this 30-day window that you're saying where Toronto certainly striking out uh, less frequently than they were earlier in the season. But Lance Lynn is still the best pitcher on tonight's slate, and five and a half is just way too low. Lance Lynn is the favorite right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the American League Cy Young, minus 125. Garrett Cole, the second shortest odds at plus 130. In that game between the White Sox and the Blue Jays, Tom, I always think when I look at strikeout props and I see heavy juice to the under and plus money to the over, that maybe I'm not getting the best number. That's the case with Lance Lynn and Alec Manoa's strikeout prop. Does plus money to the over ever scare you away from looking at a K prop? It really comes down to who the pitcher is. Now, you know, last week, uh, Ariel and I, we spoke about Jack Flaherty. And, you know, I was like, and she said she liked the under on Flaherty. I was like, no, nah, I like the over on Flaherty. You know, Flaherty's a great pitcher. And she's saying that, you know, it comes down to, you know, the Brewers. They haven't been striking out a lot, all these pitchers against them. It's like, what it comes down to for me is very simple. Lance Lynn can get the strikeouts done by himself, right? He can get seven or eight strikeouts, and we're not going to be surprised. If there would be a pitcher with a lower strikeout rate, like the actual quality of the pitcher is worse compared to Lance Lynn, like he has to have a, a lot more going for him in order to get it done. Like he has to have a couple of favorable calls. He has to get the team on an off night, get them swinging and missing. Like 
the pitcher himself can't always get it done, and that's why the over can scare me on types of pitchers, not the number. It's about the type of the pitcher. So Lance Lynn, I'd always be willing to take the over. You know, Flaherty, Bueller, Cole, all these dominant strikeout pitchers because they can get it done themselves. They don't need extra help from a weak team, a favorable lump. They can get the strikeouts done themselves. So I rely on the pitcher themselves rather than the number of what I'm actually looking for. Now let's move into the NFL because you have a preseason prop that you want to give out. And when you talk about pitchers, they control the game. Now, speaking of controlling the game, that's what quarterbacks do. The quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, you like is over 4,249 and a half passing yards for his season long passing yards prop. Why are you high on Joe Burrow this season? So Burrow was actually having a really solid year last year. He uh, you know, only played 10 games, obviously, has the knee injury. He was on pace, though, for 4,300 yards in a rookie year, which is great. Uh, you know, This season, over at Number Fire, we were projected for 4,622 yards. That's 373 more than his line is currently at. That's a full game's worth more than his line is currently at. Uh, I, I like the odds around seeing, obviously, a minus 112, but we obviously know that they made an addition to their passing game with Jamar Chase. But more importantly, the Bengals' defense is terrible, right? We all know this. This is not a secret. It's not like going to be some shock when they're winning or losing games like 30, 35 to 28. This means that we're setting up for environments where the Bengals might be playing from behind. And if they're playing from behind, that probably means that they're not going to be running the ball. They're going to be passing the ball simply due to the fact that they have to catch up. So they have three very strong receivers uh, obviously, it's all still young. They have Burrow ready to hopefully ready to take the next step forward. Uh, it just makes sense that their defense is so weak. They're going to be passing the ball instead of just feeding the ball, you know, 20, 30 times to Joe Mixon because they're not going to be in game scripts that enable them to do that. They have to be passing the ball. So our projection is 373 yards over his line. That's where I'm going to be siding. Tom, when you look at somebody like Joe Burrow or maybe a Saquon Barkley rushing prop or maybe even looking at a quarterback who has gone through some stuff in the preseason like a Dak Prescott, how much do those injury concerns affect how you handicap their season-long props and what their availability might be like later in the year? So it all comes down to either A, what we see in the preseason from them, which is nothing for some of these players, and we're probably not going to see anything from Burrow or, or Barkley or, or Dak in the preseason. It, it comes down to a lot of what we read and then ultimately uh, betting on them potentially game by game. So let's say you know you jump on board Burrow, the over, right? And you say, okay, I, I like the over for the season. It makes sense. I'm like, I'm, everything lines up. And then he gets out there ready for week one because he doesn't play in the preseason, and all of a sudden he starts struggling. You know, that's a spot where you potentially look to either A, take the under on some of his uh, props week by week, or you could simply look to just fade the Bengals. Like, you just simply just take the other side again and again, because if the Bengals are going to be losing, it probably means that Burrow's not going to be producing. So if you jump in on some of these season-long props and then, you know, you see, like, tides start to turn against them, you can actually bet against them in different ways week to week to, you know, hedge your way out, essentially. Tom, looking at these preseason games, how much weight are you putting into the preseason and what you're seeing out of some of these younger players? Um, you know, we're seeing some good things from some good players, and then we're seeing some, like, bad things from good players, which is ultimately not what I want to see. Like, I don't want to, you know, I'm not a Bengals fan. I don't want to continue to talk about the Bengals, but you see, you know, Jamar Chase dropping three passes in the first game isn't great, right? You know, he's their first-round pick. He's supposed to be this amazing wide receiver prospect. Um, I think we have to take it all with a grain of salt. He's obviously playing with a backup quarterback. 
Uh, we have to look at all these sorts of things, but I would say you have to look at it in context. This, you know, Justin Fields going out there and lighting it up. Yes, he, that's great to see, but he's also lighting it up against you know second and third string you know defender. So take that with a grain of salt. Ultimately, I'd like to see Justin Fields starting week one. Who knows if they'll actually do that? Uh, but I would say temper your expectations for some of the young players. Then if you see that they're actually ready, that's when you try to jump ahead a week ahead and bet their props early before the market catches up. Tom, you and I both would like to see Justin Fields start week number one for the Chicago Bears. Speaking of rookie quarterbacks, speaking of teams that might be making a midseason change at that quarterback position, when you look in the futures market and you see a team win total or maybe odds to win a conference, how much does that quarterback competition affect how you then go and place your bet? Well, if we're looking at a quarterback or a team with a quarterback situation where they could be uh, swapping quarterbacks midseason or there's like some controversy, that's probably not a team that I would say is A, super consistent or B, in a spot to potentially win the division, right? Uh, so whether it's the Patriots, so Cam could start, but if he struggles, is it going to be Matt Jones? Well, the Bills are still the best team in that division. Okay, well, Justin Fields might not start week one. Andy Dalton's going to play two or three weeks. Then it becomes Fields. Well, the Packers are still the best team in that division. So I won't look to them winning the division. I think that you would look to some of the team win totals, like you said, if they're low enough. But that's something that I'm relatively hesitant on betting on the team for the season if we just know that they're not going to have consistency from the start. Tom, only a couple of minutes left. Week one games, which ones stand out to you the most? The uh, Redskins are, are they still plus one at home? Uh, I saw them like a, a week ago. I think the Redskins are plus one at home against the Chargers, if I remember correctly. Football team, Tom. Football team. Football team, Tom. The best oh, name Washington. in sports. Yeah. Um, and then uh, aren't the, and, and I think the Packers are only minus two on the road against New Orleans. Like, it doesn't matter. Packers are minus you know, the, three. Washington is plus one against Los Angeles. Yeah, so uh, Washington at home, I think they made some great improvements in the offseason, of course, bringing in Fitzpatrick, another year of McClure, another year of Antonio Gibson. Like, I think they're, they're in a really good spot this year. Uh, I wouldn't hate them for division, uh, the division outright to win the East because the division's a bit of a mess. Uh, and then the Packers, minus three on the road for Aaron Rodgers against hill or winston for the saints with no michael thomas like the packers are in a spot to i think blow that game open they know it's like the last last dance i guess you could say last ride for for rogers and the packers so they're gonna be going all out all season i think minus three for them on the road against the saints is just way way too low tom speaking of those new orleans saints they are featured in the only NFL preseason game we have tonight on Monday. Not going to ask you to break this day, game down or give us your handicap, but when you speak about the Saints and that quarterback position, what do you expect to see tonight out of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, and how might that affect your handicapping of the Saints heading into the regular season? So I would like to see some consistency, regardless of who the quarterback is. Are they focusing on getting the ball to Alvin Kamara? Because that's going to be you know, a major sticking point for their offense because really they don't have any wide receivers, right? It's, you know, Traquan Smith is the number one, de facto number one wide receiver for the Saints right now. And he was like their third or fourth string guy over the past few seasons. So regardless of who's out there for the Saints, like I want to know, are they focusing on getting the ball to Camaro? Like are they, are they designed passing plays with him? Or are they just 
simply checking the ball down because he's their last resort. Like, is he the focal point of their offense with either quarterback, or is he just the secondary option because they're trying to involve everyone else? Like, that's what I'm really going to be worried about, not because I have Kamara on a lot of my teams or anything, but just something that I actually want to know. We have to get to break, Tom, but make sure to catch him at DFS Tom on Twitter. We'll see you again next week. Good luck to your bets tonight. Thanks for having me. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour two here on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time now for our segment Buy or Sell. Friend of the show, Daniel Wallach, who's the sports betting attorney, posted that the worst sports naming right of all time. Well, it would be hard to beat the deal that Syracuse did. And you know, here we're a Syracuse show. Ben and I are both alum. Syracuse was struck with the Carrier Dome, an air conditioning company, which, by the way, there's no air conditioning in the dome. They contributed $2.75 million towards the construction of the Carrier Dome and received naming rights in perpetuity. Ben, are you buying or selling that Syracuse will eventually change the name away from the Carrier Dome? Well, it's going to take a very, very long time because reading this thread from Daniel Wallach, it seems like it is going to be hard for Syracuse to buy out Carrier. The thing that's very tough about Carrier air conditioning is they are no longer headquartered in Syracuse, New York, where they used to be. (laughs) So that local tie is not there. And Ariel brings up the best point of it all. The fact that Carrier Dome up until this year didn't have air conditioning. You know, miserable it was was in the Carrier Dome under the roof. Oh, it got so stuffy and terrible. Football games in early September when it's so humid out. Oh, my God. Awful stuff. So, you know what? I'm selling it. I'm selling the name Carrier for the Carrier Dome. There needs to be improvements to that building. They have started to make some. They changed the roof. All that good stuff. Keep it on campus. Don't move it downtown. It's cool on campus. I like that. Buying that it should stay on campus at Syracuse University. Selling that Carrier should have the naming rights to it. Yeah, agreed. Get rid of the name Carrier Dome, even though it's iconic. Also, if they ever move it outside of campus, that's just silly. The downtown area is so dangerous. There would be even more crime down there. No, thank you. Keep it on campus, please. All right, we've got to close out our number two here on the show, which means we sign off on MSG. Tune into SportsGrid.com. Find out which platform works best for you. We are on multiple streaming services. We're also on SiriusXM, Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. For Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Hour three, our happy hour is up next. We're giving you NFL preseason picks for tonight. Major League Baseball action for later on. And former odds maker and here on Sports Grid, Dave Sherapan going to join the show. You're listening here on Sirius, hour three up next.